Welcome to another episode of Old School Thoughts, and thank you for all that you do to make this podcast possible. Uh, I am Frank Goodman. And Martha. Hey, Martha. Welcome. Yes, Frank. Thank you for another week. Thank you another for another week. week. We're here again. Yeah, we made it. We made it. That's We're... what I'm going to say. We made it. All right. So let's get started for, for today. And mm-hmm. I'm going to try to open it up, leave something for, for thought, and then we'll, we'll just carry on our conversations the way we always do. Okay. So let's go. Here, here, here's my thought. I, I had to really think, sit down and I'm saying, you know, um, you know, following our series of honoring African-American women, I used this week to just reflect on old school, um, like my T-shirt says, which is, I wake up with old school thoughts. Now, a lot of people, when they see that, they are trying to figure out, they all say, I love that shirt, but they don't understand that the name of the podcast is Old School Thoughts, right? So I wake up every day with old school thoughts. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you reflect on old school? And if so, what thoughts have you reflected on this week when it comes to your old school thoughts? You know, Frank, like you, I've thought about the last three podcasts that we did, and I thought about old school thought and what it's meant to us and our struggles here. And it's taken me to a lot of things to think about, particularly how we got here and all the things and obstacles that were put in our way to keep us from achieving a level of humanity because in the beginning I, I see that we came here and even though we came as human beings we weren't treated as such I don't know if you thought about it in that way yes I have that's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's kind of the way I thought about it and right. I thought about all of the history and I wondered if our audience understood the detail of our history sure they understand it in some respects but I don't know if they've all thought about it in a stream of consciousness or a stream of thinking so I thought about all of the things that affect us and what it means to have freedom and some of that was somewhat jaded by all the events that happened this week because clearly from January 6th to now we're witnessing some unusual events And while those events don't directly impact us as a village, they do impact us because our village resides in the United States. Okay. So I looked at it that way. Okay? Mm -hmm. I kind of looked at from the time that we arrived in Jamestown all the way through to the Civil War, through to the Civil Rights Movement. We've made struggles and advances, and we've always come across an obstacle or a hurdle and some of the thought that I had this week is why do we always have a hurdle or an obstacle to overcome and I think part of it has to do with the fact that there's a hidden plan that's always been in place from the very beginning that controlled our movements and how we thought and what we could achieve I don't know if you saw that or, or observe that. I see it as a level of indoctrination because sometimes 
over time, when something happens very slowly or quietly, you don't necessarily necessarily see the the end result of it, or you don't necessarily see that you actually are acting in a certain way until someone brings it to your attention. You know, it's like when sometimes people say a certain word before they start a sentence, like um. You don't realize you're saying um mm-hmm. until someone brings that to your attention. That is correct. So sometimes we have to look at the stream of events that happen and have put our psyche in a place where we are not doing things that are to the best of our ability or of, or of advantageousness to us. And I think that's where we need to, to focus. We need to focus on how do we change that thought pattern? How do we get the village to be aware of what's wrong with how we're thinking and how we can do better with it? I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but that's kind of where I was thinking this week. Well, you know, I, I've always said over recent years, other groups seem to be synchronized in their, in their behavior. It, they, there's some type of underground system that allows them to know what the plans are. And because, and the only reason why I say it has to be some underground plan is because they all seem to understand what is the next step. And we are out of sync with it. We are out here trying to figure out how to continue to battle each other how to succeed as an individual and I even apply it to genealogy and everything else you know when I approach family members through my genealogy research and you start talking about family you I brace myself I brace myself for the negativity that someone is going to come back and say well you know really family doesn't necessarily mean it, it, it automatically they're automatically saying I am not really interested in what you're doing or I'm not interested in learning someone new but you you build friendships all the time but you don't want to even consider family there are some things that make us happy there are some things that make us sad the reason why I kind of pose this question you know this evening because there are some things that make us happy. You know, music makes us happy. Um, looking at photos makes a lot of people happy. You know, why do we look at photos? And, uh, what kind of music makes you happy? Do you remember the dances you used to do? And then what makes you sad is when you say, the neighborhood is not as close as it used to be. Why aren't we speaking? Why do we hurt each other? Why are we trying to keep each other down? Why aren't, you know, so... Am I saying too much? No, not at all. Mm-hmm. I think what you're pointing to is exactly what I was talking about, which is that we have, over time, since Jamestown, or those 20-odd arrived, yeah. there has been a we-they society. Mm-hmm. The dominant society will say, we are group, and they are not. Right. So automatically when you go to we and they, you start to create that I am in one place that's better than that other person. Mm-hmm. 
And if you start to take that in as a way of you're going to run a country, then you're saying the dominant place that I am, I have to keep that status quo and I must always keep my thumb on those people because I need to keep control of them and I need to keep them in their place. And I don't know if it's a, an agenda, but what certainly helps that happen is when the dominant is of one race or color than the one that's not dominant. You know, I think sometimes if everybody were gray, it would be no issue. But right now, because we're visible as a people, we're beautiful and visible, we can be pointed to as different and become the they. And all the rules and all the laws that came into being was to control the they and keep the they from becoming equal. So I think when 20 odd and part of that group gets sold for food, that's a way of degrading their humanness. Mm-hmm. When you say you, the remaining ones will be indentures, but then you have to work off your indenture and you're entitled to land, and oops, we never really meant for they to have land mm-hmm. or profit or become viable in the community. Mm-hmm. Because we really meant them to be under our thumb and our workforce. Right. Now we have to make more laws to cover that aspect. Right. And when they begin to marry into the dominant group and you create these mixed race children, whoops, you really got to put some laws in place because mm-hmm. now you have to say the situation of the mother determines the situation of the child. Mm-hmm. So if the mother is enslaved, the child will be enslaved. And then it gets even broader than that because it's all economically drawn to. This is a free labor force, and the more you can have of those people that are free and can't go anywhere but have to work for us and be controlled by us, the more profitable we'll be. So the plantation system goes full-blown but the plantation system goes away and then you create another plantation system which is called prison that's right that's right chain gang and that's right you create another another level and just rename it but the same thing is happening Mm -hmm. whether you call it segregation whether you call it prison system whether you call it uh in some ways even integration because sometimes integration is not full integration well i mean we, we we see that now Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you see that you always want to keep keep this going because it's a profitable thing for you. The Civil War was fought because they did not want to let go of that free labor market, which was slaves. Right. The, the Constitution was written in such a way that you gave freedoms to everyone except those who were enslaved. But Martha, let me ask you. Why why should we reflect on these things when we can do what a lot of people 
want us to do or feel we should be doing and that is why can't you just focus on something that's funny or why can't you just focus on something that's fun why why are you all staying in the dark area why are we why why are we reflecting on these things well i think you reflect on things to understand right more you can understand and the more you can figure out why things are the way they are then the more you have a chance of changing them right you can't change what you can't see mm-hmm. you can't change what you can't identify mm-hmm. so I think we stay on it but I don't think that we stay on it to the degree that it's morbid I think we look at as at least I do and I think you do look at it as a learning tool just like when we do our ancestry research mm-hmm. that is a tool for us to find our ancestors and our hidden missing people right And you're right. Some people don't want to know about it because some people don't want to feel uncomfortable because they want to live basically in a world that they've created that has no stress right. or they think has no stress. Right. And now you're introducing somebody new to them that they don't know about that they need to learn about and you you're disrupting their apple cart because they've created this scenario that my family is structured this way. Well, in reality, you know, extended families have always existed for black people. Right. It's, and, and white people, too. Mm. People have always gone and had relationships with other people beyond their immediate family. Right. But the difference is, I think for white people, it becomes an issue. They don't deny it. They accept it. We reject it. Because we want to have it only be the core family that we're part of. Well, you know, white people might accept it with maybe within their own race. But we have mulattoes that, that came out of slavery, you know, and I use that word because of the term of that time frame. We right. have mulattoes, we have altaroons, we have quadroons because of that and and we know now even with ancestry that they created a block by saying we're going to block the results of DNA tests for those below this percentage of, of centimorgans we know the reason for that we know that was done to make sure those of us who are now doing our genealogy are not contacting our white relatives saying you know we're related some kind of way our DNA matches, you know. Right. So mm-hmm. that was that was a plan again. That was something that was done, and has already been activated. That they would not allow you access to anything below a certain level of centimorgans. Well, you know. So yeah, I'm just saying yeah. that. Yeah, they might. But- Accept, but it's not as they're not accepting those, and they're not looking for these black genealogists well, to run up in the family saying, "Hey, cuz, how you doing?" Look, <laughs> well, I don't know if we should be looking to do that either. Well, Let, let's just, but that's let's the just fact. Talk about, but that's just the yeah, fact. Yeah, but let's let's talk about genetics a little bit. So, if you take someone who is one quarter or one eighth white and a 
and black or black, one one age or one quarter black. If they continue to marry into the white part of them, in four generations, there are no blacks. That's the genetics. It will it will deplete all the black genes. So sometimes, depending upon how close it is, you shouldn't be running up trying to relate to somebody who is clearly, if it's done 300 years ago, they are not going to classify themselves as black and not want to know about it. Now that's a, a different scenario if you happen to find out it happened within your time frame or within your your generation. That's a different story. And by the same token, if somebody white has a mixed-race child, and that mixed-race child continues to marry black people, four generations in, the the result is a completely black person. So maybe we shouldn't be pointing to those distant mixed-race children you know, like, perfect example is Sally Hemings. We use her as an example because Sally Hemings' mother was half white, which means she was one quarter white, which means her children could pass for white, and two of her children did. We shouldn't be upset about that. That's just genetics, the way it works. Okay? And we shouldn't use her as a role model. We should use the reverse, I think, is the person who has maybe that drop of white blood but has continued to marry into our part of it, the, the equation, and now they are truly black people mm. that have some mixed-race ancestry. So it's maybe it sounds like we're splitting, I'm splitting here. Uh, yeah, because we, we, you know, all of us are mixed. Yes. You know, when I look at my, my DNA results, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm mixed with so many different races. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the way I but look at dominant. it is, it, it, you know, to me, if that mm-hmm. if that DNA matches and we're mm-hmm. cousins, I don't care if it's the 19th mm-hmm. generation. Uh, yeah. If but that DNA, dominant, but if that, but if, if that DNA matches, matches and that, yeah, and that DNA right. say that we're cousins, we're cousins. But Frank, you see, when we do the DNA, and you find that 90% or 80, 89% of you is of African ancestry, right. that's, that's the dominant. Mm-hmm. The fact that you have some 12% that represents something else, that's not the dominant. No. Now, but that still makes reason, you who you are. Oh, yeah, it does make you who you are, but it doesn't carry the same weight as if look, when I did my DNA, I did not expect to find certain things, because I just assumed, like most black people, whatever difference you have in you came from Native Americans. And we know that story and how that turns out, right? (laughs) You get the DNA and you find out, yeah, I'm 89% African, from various African nations, but then I find that there is this 9% of me that's Scotch-Irish and maybe another 2 to 3% that's Native American. Well, that certainly explains why certain 
genetic things that I have uh, might point to that Scotch-Irish part of me. Like growing up and your hair looks dark brown, but in reality, if you stand in the sunlight, it's a little red. So you, you can put that to that, but that doesn't change. That does not affect the major part of me, nor the major part of you. It's that major part of us that connect us in our DNA. It's not the minor part. I don't know if you think that way, but I look at it and I say, well, if I compare my DNA to yours, we're going to compare all those African nations. That's the first thing we're going to compare. And then the fact that we have to have some Scotch or Irish or Welsh or French or whatever else, that's not the dominant part of me. And that may not be the dominant part of you unless you hiding something from me. I don't know. Well, you know, know, hey, it's like I said, uh, (laughs) I I know how America has created this thing of race. Mm -hmm. And when I receive my results, my results are a picture of history. Mm -hmm. It's a picture of how confusing and how intricate it is Mm -hmm. and it represents all of them Mm -hmm. and regardless of how I identify myself or whatever uh, we didn't have DNA tests years ago but we we have them now and those DNA results would say if these people part of your makeup and I I personally I don't care if it's the dominant or the weaker or whatever Mm -hmm. phrase it is they're part Mm -hmm. of that makeup and at some point you're going to cross over into that makeup because if you're part of that makeup that group is in your family right that's totally you so it's kind of like dealing with people who are not interested it's like I was saying the other other day to my wife. When a person says to me, I'm not interested, that's for them to say. But it has nothing to do with the truth. The truth right. is, whether you find it interesting or not, or whether you want to admit to it or not, the truth is the truth. The reality is the reality. And, and that's just it. So it doesn't matter how we twist it, turn it, ring it out, you know, still, the the truth is is in your DNA. The truth is there, That's true. That's and, true. and and it makes DNA up does not lie. Right. It doesn't lie. Right. But I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a Jack Nicholson on you. Okay. I, some people some people can't handle the truth. That's true. Okay. Yeah. So when you're trying to give them the truth, they are not ready to accept it. Mm-hmm. And so, because they're not ready to accept it, they will reject it, and then they'll get angry at you. I, I had that happen with a cousin. You know, I was trying to, I had asked the cousin, why don't you do a DNA test? And they was like, I don't care. And it took me back a little bit, because I, I didn't expect this person, highly educated, to say they didn't care. They didn't care what their DNA represented. And I said, but it's not about you about the future right 
if your grandchildren and great-grandchildren come along and want to know something, that DNA test can help them. Right. And, and the interesting thing about DNA, which I discovered, is that if you look at it carefully, there's a segment in there where you can actually figure out the different portions of where you existed and what portion of you may have existed in the time frame of America. So sometimes you go back to the very, early, the very earliest time frame of the 1700s and you find that your DNA is there. Your DNA is in the 1700s. And that DNA, depending upon where you live, you may have been free, or you may have been indentured, or you may have been slave. But you wouldn't know that if you didn't look at the DNA as it breaks down through history. So sometimes the, the part of our DNA that we think we don't want to know about or look about, look to, actually occurred in colonial times. And that may help to explain you know, why we have the DNA there that is that Scotch and Irish and Native American. Because that's a time frame in history where for a short period of time, those three English or European, Native American and black people co-mingled. But you wouldn't know that if you just say, I only want to look at the dominant part of my DNA, which says I'm, I'm from these African tribes. But the truth is, if you look at it historically, you may, will find your place of where your family started with this DNA. For me, it was the 1700s. I don't know if you found that section and looked at it carefully to see where you, your DNA aligns up in America. No, no. Yeah, there's a section, and it's very interesting. The other thing that DNA does is it tells you things that are possible um, traits that you have which I thought was interesting. They could tell what color eyes I had, what color hair I have, how my fingers are, are uh, whether I have a middle finger that's longer or shorter. They can tell all that from the DNA. Yeah, I know 23 and Mean does a lot of that. Well, Ancestry does it too. It's all built into Ancestry. But sometimes you just have to be curious I think what I witness is people lack curiosity. And if you don't have curiosity, how will you learn? How will you grow? And I'm, I want the village to grow. I want people in our village to grow. I want us to understand who we truly are. Because once we understand who we truly are, then we can understand how to fight this ugly racism that we face. And we can teach our children that they don't have to be bound by the same constraints that bound, that kept us down. Okay? They can, they can look at themselves with new eyes. You know, it's like when we got through the 60s in the old school and James Brown said, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. Everybody responded to that. Right. But then what happened? We lost it. We don't say that anymore. That's important. That's, that's the goal. The goal is to get us to that place where we see ourselves as full human beings and not just chattel or not somebody who's sub-level that we, we are equal to. Not above, but equal to. And that's the difference between human rights and civil rights. 
civil rights has to do with the local laws and how you can be protected through the law. Human rights is God-given. Human rights says because you are a human being, you deserve to be treated in this manner. And we have to first see that in ourselves before we demand other people see it. Okay. Um, Martha? Yes. It's that time. Yeah. Time goes quick when we're having fun. <laughs> okay. So I'm letting Wrap you it close it out. No, no, no. You close it out tonight, all right? I'm, I'm, I'm talked out. <laughs> well, you know, we never have a, a, a scripted agenda. And it's designed that way. Right because we want to be able to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think the conversation always leads to thought-provoking conversations. Yeah. And I think that happened tonight. I think that happened today. And I hope our listeners are willing to go down this road with us but regardless, this is another recording for the archives. It is. And again, to you, you know how you know that I love you. Same here. To our I listeners, love we love you. We love you. And until next time, be good. Be good. <laughs>